Amen. Thank you, Kyle. Well, happy Mother's Day to you all. Um, we want to take some time this morning and think biblically about Mother's Day, about parenting, about discipleship. And this is the first time that we've ever done this as a church. In our four years as a church, every Mother's Day, we spend a lot of time during the announcements to uh, make a, a lot out of our moms, to thank them, to encourage them, to pray for them. But then we just continue in our series, in our sermon series, whatever it may be. Like John, we're going to finish out John in, in the next couple weeks. But I, I normally skip Mother's Day and Father's Day. Um, because I don't love mothers. I love my mom very much. I'm very grateful for my wife as a mother to our kids. But we strayed from spending one sermon on this topic for several reasons. So let me just give you a little bit of a window into my soul. It would all boil down to one main umbrella group, and that's a care for your soul. Um, you could split it up into two reasons. Two reasons why I have believed these last four years it was, it was good to just say thank you to our moms to move on. Uh, reason number one in caring for your soul is because I have zero experience being a mom. I, I cannot speak experientially from that. Um, and even when we planted the church, we had Chelsea and just found out we were pregnant with Ethan. So I had two years of watching a mom, but... I don't know. I still don't know. I know less than I did before we had kids about how to raise kids now. So I, I don't know. Now, to be clear, you don't need to have experience to tell somebody truth. I just want to make that very clear. You don't have to have experience to be able to say, I know what it looks like to be a mom because this is the word of God and it is sufficient. It is authoritative. And I can tell you how to be a mom biblically from this book. But it is always helpful with humility to come before somebody and say, and I've experienced that, it's difficult, it's challenging, so I'm not looking down on anybody. And I wanted to be patient and wait until I got there in my own soul to be able to encourage patiently, humbly, the moms that we have with us. But that's not even the main reason. The biggest reason why this is a difficult day for a lot of people, and this is the biggest reason why I have strayed from preaching a Mother's Day message, and that's because... Mother's Day, for many people, going to church just shines a spotlight on hurt. I've had several moms that have talked to me that have told me I don't go to church on Mother's Day. We know that there are many reasons why this would be. Moms might look back on motherhood with their young kids and consider themselves to be failures. And so drawing attention to Mother's Day is really difficult. Many women desire to be moms, but are unable to have children. The Lord opens the womb. The Lord closes the womb. The Lord does that work. And so as we spotlight kids and moms of kids physically, it can be a very hurtful morning. Many women have had miscarriages. Many desire to have kids, but there are no men to marry so that they may have kids. Maybe you've recently lost a mother. There's just so many reasons why this can be a very painful day. And I don't ever want to, as a pastor of your souls, bring unnecessary pain upon your life. So I've never really wanted to spotlight loss, regret, or pain. I've strayed from this topic for four years. 
And over the course of those years, there's always been something that I've wanted to say and kind of compiled them all together. And hopefully this morning, you will be encouraged no matter who you are. You'll be challenged if you are a mom specifically, but you'll be encouraged and comforted and challenged no matter who you are. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to address Mother's Day in kind of, we could call it like a a Mother's Day funnel, okay? We're going to just see three stops on our funnel down to very specific. We're going to start very generally at every single person, then we'll move to women, then we'll move to mothers specifically. So we're going to just have a little Mother's Day funnel this morning and then let God's word address us in each of those specific areas. So let's start at the top, everybody. Nobody is excluded from Mother's Day. And I want to prove that to you. If some mother went through labor for you, I want you to stand up. Okay, stand up. If some mother went through labor for you, stand up. You guys realize what a pain you are? (laughs) You can sit down. Some mother went through labor for you. So Mother's Day absolutely includes every single person. We're not all moms, but we all have moms. And the biblical command for us is clear. Honor your father and your mother. Okay? So our first stop on this funnel, Mother's Day involves everyone. Mother's Day involves everyone. That's point number one. Every single person has a mom and they are called to honor them. Why this command? Why does God give the command to honor moms? Uh, Just three quick reasons. Number one, Every parent is flawed. Um, We're not called to honor them because they're perfect. We're called to honor them in spite of their imperfections. And so we need a command to remind us, honor them even when things aren't going that well. Number two, you would not be alive if you didn't have them. So honor them because you would not be here if you didn't have them. And then number three, honor them because God picked your mom specifically for you. God chose your mom specifically for you. God gave you to your mom, and God chose your mom for you. We're called to honor, and today is a great day to do that, whether you're having lunch or dinner or hanging out with your parents or with your mom. Today is a day, even if you can't see them physically, to be able to call them. And if they are no longer with us, to be able to remember the amazing sacrifices that they made, the way that they loved you, honor them this day. How do we honor them? How do we do that? Three points. Number one, as a child, and we have some children, children here this morning, as a child, you honor by obedience. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. So as a child, you honor your parents by obedience. Hannah, are our kids in here? <laughs> we need them in here. You honor your parents through obedience. As a teen, you honor your parents by respecting them and listening to them. As you're growing up in that season of life, many of you are in that season of life. That's a strange season for both parties, right? For both parties, for the teen that's growing up, not quite adult on their own, but not a child. And for the parent that's not fully that parent that tells everything that needs to happen, tells the child what to do, but not fully letting them go. It's a weird season. How do you deal with it? Well, as a teen, you honor your parents by respecting them and listening to them. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3. Every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father, because I am the Lord your God. 
And in honoring your parents, you honor the Lord. Reverence your mom and your dad. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9, you respect your parents even while they discipline you or because of their discipline. It produces a respect for them. Thank you for doing that hard work that absolutely is more painful for the parent than it is for the child. Thank you for doing that work. What about as an adult? As an adult, number three, you appreciate and take care of your parents. You honor your parents by appreciating them and taking care of them. This is Proverbs 23, verse 22. Listen to your father who begot you and never despise your mother when she is old. Listen to her, appreciate her, take care of her, appreciate her effort. When was the last time you stopped to thank your parents and specifically your mom today for putting up with you, for all of the ways in which you were a thorn in their side? Just think of how many hours your mom has spent crying out to the Lord on her knees for your soul. Just think about how many tears she has cried for you that you would come to love Jesus, to know him, to treasure him. Honor them and appreciate them for their effort. Honor them and appreciate them for their sacrifice. Parenting is expensive. I've heard it said a parent is someone who has photos where they used to have money. It doesn't quite work anymore because we all have our photos on our phone. And well, I guess, you know, Apple Pay is happening. So, um, But a parent is someone who has a lot of money to spend, or they don't have any money, but they still spend it somehow. They care with every fiber of their being for their kids. So we need to honor our moms today. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 25. I'm just going to give you a number of verses. We'll, we'll drill deep into a couple passages in Scripture. Proverbs 23, 25. Give your parents joy. Let your father and your mother be glad. Let her rejoice who gave birth to you. In Proverbs 31, 28, rise up and call your mom blessed. Children are to rise up and to call their moms blessed. So, first stop on our funnel, generally every single person can celebrate Mother's Day because we all have moms. We're called to honor our parents, and we do that in different stages, different seasons. We're all in those different seasons. Let's honor our parents today. The second stop on our funnel, a little bit more specifically, now just for women, men are excluded from this one. Mother's Day, point number two, involves women. So Mother's Day involves everybody. And then number two, Mother's Day involves women. It involves women. So here's where I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. You remember this is where the fall occurs. Adam and Eve plunge all of the world into sin. And God gives curses. It's very interesting to note. Every curse that he gives to Eve deals with something inside of the home, and every curse that he gives to Adam deals with something outside of the home. So we've seen already in chapter 1 and 2, wish we had the time for this, but we don't, the roles of men and women, the responsibilities, the purpose for which God made men and women. We're going to see at the very end, when God gives all of the curses to the man, to the woman, and to the serpent, drop down to verse 20, Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. The man, Adam, called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. My Bible puts the living. Some Bibles say all living things. But what is weird about that verse? Chapter 4, verse 1, 
now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to her firstborn son, Cain. So Adam says to Eve, before a child has come into the world, you are the mother of all living things. Now, I think he does that for two reasons. First reason, Adam believes the promises of God. God told Adam and Eve, you're going to have a child, and that child is going to be, there's going to be a seed in your lineage that's going to come and destroy the serpent. So I think Adam, in faith, this is a declaration of faith, you're going to have a child, Eve. You're going to have a child, and you're going to be a mom. But it's also a declaration of purpose. It's a declaration of roles. You are motherly, Eve, even before you have kids. No kid has come out yet, and you are still a mom. You're motherly. So it seems, in the way that Adam's saying this, that motherhood is more extensive than simply physically having a baby. Now, when I say that, all the women who have physically had a baby say, whoa, whoa, don't ever take that away from me. I had a baby physically, don't take that away from me. And I'm not. I'm just expanding it. I'm expanding it out as Adam does to say, wait a second, being a mom, yes, physically having a child, but there's something that makes women motherly before children even enter the world. You know this. Um, my kids, we were out front. Uh, there was a dead lizard. And my son, Ethan, says, Wow, look, it's dead. There's a dead lizard. Wants to pick it up and play with it. Oh, there's a lizard. Look, and where's the head? There's no head. This is a dead lizard. Just, this is amazing. My daughter says, Can I fix it? Like, let's, let's repair him. Maybe I can give him milk. Maybe we can take him to the doctor. Let's take care of him. My son's like, let's leave him in pieces and just do experiments. And my daughter says, I will be its mom. I'll be, I will adopt this lizard. Dead, as dead may be, I'll adopt this lizard. <laughs> we see this, right? This is why Adam says, Eve, you're motherly. You're motherly. I've been walking around in the Garden of Eden. I see a bear, and I say, you want to wrestle? I think I can take you, and we can play around and have fun. You see a bear, and you say, let's snuggle. Let's cuddle. I've seen from the moment God made you, you're different than me. It's a good thing. You're nurturing Nurturing doesn't mean, by the way, motherly and nurturing does not equal cleaning and cooking. God is spoken of in the Bible to nurture us, and sometimes he does that with very strict, harsh consequences. But he does it for the purpose of nourishing. So you could put nurturing equals nourishment. Nurturing equals nourishment. And Adam says, Eve, you are a nurturing, nourishing person. Now, there's bad nurturing. There's bad nurturing, right? There's letting your 24-year-old live at home with no job, playing Xbox in the basement five hours a day. And they're super excited that they've mastered Call of Duty. That's not good nurturing. That's bad nurturing. You don't want to do that kind of nurturing. Even when your child says, I just don't know what I want to do, especially if they are a son and they look at you and they say, I just don't know what I want to do. I know what you want to do. You want to work, right? God has made you to work. Well, but I don't know what I want to do. No, no. 
God called you to work. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You have to do it. God called you to work. And the reality is, it doesn't matter what it is that you're doing. You will never find fulfillment in your career. So son, get a job. But that's a Father's Day message. We'll move on. Um, <laughs> there's bad nurturing. There's good nurturing. There's good nurturing. And here's where, again, stop number two on our funnel. There's good nurturing that involves people that are not your children. One example is Deborah. Deborah in the Bible, she calls herself the mother of Israel. She didn't bear all of the Israelites, but she says, I'm going to nurture. And she, she nurtures the men. She takes care of and nurtures and nourishes the men who are sagging in their leadership in Israel. The reality is, women, all women, you are a mother in this church community. You are a mom. It's just how good of a mom are you? But you are a mom. Isaiah 54, verse 1, you could just write it down. God says, shout for joy, O barren one. You have borne no child, but break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, even though you have not travailed. Why? Because the sons of the desolate one, the sons of the barren one, will be more numerous than the sons of the married one. The sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married one. You may never have a child physically, but you may have more children spiritually than physical mothers ever will. And we need you. Women, we need you. Mother us. Be mothers to us. Take care of us. Teach us Christ. Nourish us. Love us. Show hospitality. We need every single woman in our church to be a mother. That's who you are. You were made by God to be motherly. And here's the reality. In the end, if all we are doing is celebrating on Mother's Day that kids popped out, then we're just celebrating the shadow and not the substance. We're celebrating the shadow and not the substance. The substance of motherhood is nurturing, nourishment, which is an aspect of the character of God that's not readily seen in males. That's why God says in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, in the beginning, he made them male and female. In the image of God, he made them male and female. We need both to image God's character. So, number one, at the top of the funnel, generally, every single person celebrates this day by honoring their mom. Number two, every woman, no matter the status of whether you are married, whether you are single, whether you are a parent, whether you do, do not have kids yet, no matter who you are, if you are a woman, you are made by God with the role and the responsibility and the purpose of being nurturing, nourishing, and motherly. And you can do that without ever having kids. Now, let's go to the bottom of the funnel. Mother's Day involves women who have children. So Mother's Day involves everyone, Mother's Day involves women, period, and then Mother's Day involves women who have children. And in speaking of Mother's Day and motherhood and honoring motherhood, I mean to magnify and honor Jesus because he created it, he designed it, he himself had a mom and honored her, and he himself is the ultimate purpose of motherhood. And so here's what I want to do. To mothers of children, to, to moms in this room who have kids, I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning from the Word of God because the world will not encourage you. They don't have any 
capacity to encourage you from the word of God because they don't get this at all. They don't get that motherhood begins with a marriage that is a parable of Christ in his church. They don't get that. They don't get that motherhood is an outworking of marriage as a a parable of Christ in the church. They don't get that motherhood is life-on-life life transmission of a God-centered worldview. Here's a biblical worldview, and I want to give it to my kids, and that's the goal, that's the purpose, that's the aim. They don't get that motherhood is home management as a creation of a living organism that nurtures the peace of God and the righteousness of Christ. They don't get that. In fact, some of what I've said already, many people would take offense at because of roles and responsibilities, and that's okay. I don't want to be purposefully offensive. I just want to preach the Bible. They don't get what a high calling being a mom truly is. And I've, I've seen this. Uh, I wrote a Mother's Day card to my wife. We don't celebrate Mother's Day as a family on Sunday because Sunday is very much a work day and then uh, going to my mom's and going to my in-laws. So there's never real, uh, really room to celebrate my wife. So we do Mother's Day on Saturday. Um, so yesterday I gave her a card, kids gave her a card, let her go. I've just I've always found it funny that Mother's Day, the best Mother's Day present, is go eat breakfast on your own, out of the house, just silence and peace, and then come back with a rejuvenated spirit. Um, so I, I, I said in my letter to my wife, you're in the middle of a war zone. You're in the middle of a war zone. I mean, this is three, three kids, two, four, six, this is the war zone. It's a high calling. And from what I gather, the war just gets more expansive the older that your kids get. The war doesn't slow down. It just gets more expansive. It gets to bigger, thicker, deeper, darker areas, more challenging, more scary places. So to moms this morning, I want to just encourage you because I know that the high calling to which you've been called is exhausting work. It's exhausting work. I want to encourage you this morning, don't grow weary in doing good. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you with just three specific aspects for moms who have kids this morning. Number one, God sees your work when no one else does. God sees your work when no one else does. There are a thousand things on a weekly basis that you moms do for your kids that no one will ever see, no one will ever thank you for, except for God alone. Psalm 139, David says, where can I go to hide from your presence? Where can I go? Can't go anywhere to hide from the presence of God. Just ask Jonah. It doesn't work. Try to run away from God. It doesn't work. Moms, God's with you. Every second of every day, he's watching you. He's watching you work. So therefore, you can be strong. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or tremble. For the Lord your God is the one who always goes with you. He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. And the author of Hebrews picks up on that in Hebrews 13, verse 5. I will never leave you nor abandon you, declares the Lord. Now, obviously, these have context. This is one of the difficulties of topical preaching. These have context that are very clear. Context in Hebrews is money. Context in Deuteronomy 31 is getting ready to go into the promised land. But the application still works. The application and the implication of that passage for you as mom still works. God is right there with you. So Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord rather than for men. It's him that you serve and he's there watching. 
How many times have you done something and you wonder, when my husband gets back home, is he going to notice? And then when he doesn't notice what you did, it kind of frustrates you. You don't ever have to be frustrated with God. God sees, God notices, God watches. And one day, God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. One day, he's going to tell you, enter into your rest. Rest is coming, mothers. It's coming. And one day when it comes, it'll all be worth it. Every single thing that you did that nobody ever saw, God's going to say, I saw it. I saw it. And then you'll truly get your eternal reward. In this life, if people see it and they say, great job, God says, that's all the reward we get. So number one, God sees your work when no one else does. Number two, second encouragement, God is working when it seems like nothing else is. God is working when it seems like nothing else is. So God sees your work when it seems like no one else does. God himself is working when it seems like nothing else is. God's always working. This should make us totally, as a people, a hopefully expectant people, especially in parenting, hopefully expectant. Just think with me about two characters in the Bible, two people, two men in the Bible, two sons in the Bible who had very different beginnings and middles and had the exact same end. You got Samuel. Samuel, Hannah prays for a son, promises that if God gives her a son, she's going to dedicate him to the work of the Lord. Probably around five years old, he is sent to the tabernacle to work in Shiloh with Eli. God calls Samuel to be a, a prophet. Samuel is a prophet. He works hard. He's the last judge. He anoints Saul. He anoints David as king. Samuel is that kid in church when somebody says, do you want to share your testimony? And they go, no, my testimony is boring. That's Samuel. Now, we all know, theologically, there is no such thing as a boring testimony, right? God has saved you from hell, from sin. God saved, there's, that's a miraculous thing. There's no such thing as a boring testimony. From, but from our vantage point, that, that phrase, uh, no, I don't want to share, I, I have a boring testimony. That's Samuel. And if we're honest, parents, that's the kind of testimony we want. We want all of our kids to just have boring testimonies, right? Well, got saved, don't remember, don't even think I could speak, uh, and then God just saved me, and boom, I've never done anything bad. Like, we want, we want our kids to have boring testimonies. Could pray for this. I pray every single day, God, please save my kids at a young age. And frankly, it is more miraculous, in my opinion, that God would spare them from a life of indulgence in sin. I, mean, I could say that, right? God, save me from a lifestyle of alcoholism, of drug addiction. God, save me from that because he never let me enter into it to begin with. That's a miracle. So some of your children are like Samuel. But others are like Jacob. Genesis 32, others are like Jacob. Jacob, from the beginning, has a rough start. Even his name, right? Heel grabber, trying to get ahead. He's a cheater. He lives up to his name. He's a liar. He's a scoundrel. Just imagine the conversations around the campfire of Jacob's relatives. Man, that Jacob. What are his parents thinking? Is that, that Jacob, nothing is going to go well for that guy. He cheats Esau. Runs away from Esau, runs away from the promised land, runs away from blessing, meets Rachel, wants to marry her, foolishly agrees to a deal struck up by Laban, stays seven more years, doesn't want to go back to the promised land. 
cheats Laban out of his flocks, runs away from God. Are your children running away from God? Are your kids running away from God? Do you wonder about where they are spiritually? Well, Jacob is probably 50 years old when he encounters the living God. You remember the story, right? He's, he's preparing to meet his brother, and he wants to try and flee and run away, and God confronts him. God stops him. God wrestles with him. And the Jacob that we normally see would say, you know what, I'm done. Even God himself says, we're done, we're done. The wrestling match is over, it's done. And Jacob says, normally we see Jacob, fine, I'm running. Jacob says, no, stay with me. And he wrestles with God, and he demands that God bless him. He demands that God bless him. He had been running for 50 years, and when he's confronted with God, by God, he doesn't run away. Instead, he holds on tightly, and everything in his life changes from that point forward. God blesses him, renames him. Everything that Jacob had been through up until that moment prepared him to cling to, to God. Maybe your child's in a place where they're not holding on to Christ, but everything that they're going through is preparing them for that moment when they will cling to Christ. Two men, Samuel and Jacob, two completely different paths, both end up loving God. God's always working. Even when you don't see it, even when nothing else seems to be working, God is always working. And this should guard us from self-righteousness if God's the one working, then it should help us to never become self-righteous because God's the one who did the work. If your kids are awesome kids, and I know we have a lot of parents of awesome kids, it's not because of you, it's in spite of you. God's the one who does the work. It should press us into discipleship. If God is working, we should be coming alongside each other and helping each other, encourage each other, help parents, uh, older parents who have older kids, help us younger parents with kids to nurture us in how to nurture and nourish our kids. Help us work out our faith. Help us keep on believing the promises of God that he sees, that he's working. There are young Christians, there are baby Christians, there's immature Christians, there's messy Christians, but there is no such thing as a lesser Christian. So if you think that about your child, about somebody else's child, there's no such thing as a lesser Christian. Come alongside them and help them, encourage them. They don't need judgment. They need help. But knowing that God is working should free us from fear and paralyzing regret. Maybe your children aren't like Jacob or Samuel at all. Maybe your kids are like Esau or like Eli's sons. Maybe there's regret in things that you did or didn't do as a parent. I just want to plead with you this morning. Let God give you a different perspective. Pray and let God give you a different perspective. You don't know what God is doing. It took Jacob until he was 50 years old to cling to Christ. God's doing something now in your children. We don't know what he's doing, but he's working. Now, obviously, we would much rather have that quote-unquote boring testimony of Samuel. Oh, that'd be so awesome. But if we're honest, we would much rather have kids who look messy at the beginning but end up in heaven than those who look squeaky clean from the start and wind up in hell. So know that God's working. God is working, and he's never going to stop working. Number one, God sees your work when no one else does. Number two, God is working when it seems like nothing else is. And finally, number three, God himself is the work of parenting. 
God is the work of parenting. God sees your work when no one else does. God is working when nothing else seems to be working. And finally, God himself is the work of parenting. We need to define what the goal of parenting is. There's a lot of goals, right? Goal number one, I want mom and dad to be on the same page. I want to be, you know, this is the way I was raised, that's the way you were raised, let's try and find a way. No, I just want to be biblical and be on the same page together. I have the goal of living a life in front of my kids that illustrates what I attempt to teach them. I have a goal of enjoying parenting. It goes by like that. I know tomorrow I'm going to wake up and my kids are going to be engaged and the next day I'm going to wake up and they're going to be heading into retirement and one foot in the grave for me. It's just going to go like that. It's going to go like that. And I know that. So I want to enjoy it. I know children are a gift from the Lord, Psalm 127 says. So I want to enjoy parenting. I have a goal of teaching my kids the fear of God and His holiness, wisdom, obedience, repentance, and what salvation looks like. But here's the reality. We can do a lot of things in parenting. Moms, you can do a lot of things in parenting your kids. But there's one thing that you can never do. You can't save your kids. You can't save your kids. God does that. So can we just pull back a burden that may be on your shoulders? Salvation is not a realistic goal of parenting. If we're going to define goal as something that's humanly attainable, you cannot get your kids saved. Another study that we could do on another time is just look in the Old Testament at the righteous parents who love Jesus and what their kids look like, and then look at the terrible parents, evil, wicked parents, and what their kids look like. It just ends up flipping back and forth. It's almost right down the middle. Godly parents have terrible kids. Evil parents have awesome kids that love the Lord. Just, it's, God is the one working. So then what is our goal? What is our goal? Here's our goal. And this is why I say God is the work of parenting. Our goal in parenting, our goal of being moms, our goal in nourishing one another, whether you are a physical parent or not, is to point to Jesus as your and should be their all-satisfying treasure. Point to Jesus as better than anything this life has to offer. You can't save your kids, but you can show your kids the one who can save them. And you can show them and model to them and teach them that he's better than anything that this world has to offer. You love him more than you love anything else in this world. We teach our kids. We tell our kids, get good grades, practice at sports, learn this instrument. They spend hours doing these things. We immerse them in these things. And then we end up sprinkling a little Bible on them during the week, usually expecting them to get all that they need out of church. We need to model for our kids that Jesus is what is most important to us. You are modeling. We are modeling to every single one of the people in this room. We're modeling what's most important to us. So let me ask the question, how well are you modeling that Jesus means everything to you, that he is everything? We sang it. He's all to us. We say that. I know we teach our kids that. But how well do we model that? David Platt has an awesome illustration He says this, imagine for a moment you're from another country and you come to visit Southern California and on a Sunday you watch as people get up and they go to a building that they call church. They're groggy, they're like zombies and they make their way to the ceremony. Clearly whatever happens at the beginning of the ceremony isn't that important because most of the people don't arrive until after it started. I'm not going to look at anybody. (laughs) You watch them file in. They mouth words to songs, many of them almost expressionless, virtually emotionless. 
after which they sit down and listen passively to somebody talk. You notice that they fidget, they look at their watches, and they leave very quickly. And as they leave, you hear them talking with smiles and laughter and joy about another event that had just occurred the previous day. This other ceremony was a bit more interesting to them. They get there early for this event, really early for this event. They eat with complete strangers out of the back of their car. You've never seen community like this. And then they all enter into this shrine. You can't think of another word to call it, but a shrine where they passionately and excitedly watch some sort of assembly of children that they don't even know playing a game on a field. They shout, they chant, they sing. They almost lose their voices. They never look at their watches at this ceremony. In fact, they actually get excited when the game goes longer than expected. They call this overtime, and that's a sign of a really exciting game. And the fun doesn't end after the game ends. No, the celebration has just begun if the little children playing on the field did what you wanted them to do, that is. So excited about sports. And we can look out at our landscape. I mean, it's not just sports. You see people more excited about the latest TV show, the latest band, or the latest movie that's come out. They excitedly stay up late to purchase advanced tickets. They show up early for the movie. Sometimes they even dress like their favorite character, only to weep during the movie when their favorite character has been murdered by Thanos. Wait, is that too soon? Am I not? Spoiler alert. No, I won't say anymore. Look, I get it, guys. I get it. I love sports. I love sports. I tell my wife on a decently regular basis, I miss sports. I miss competition. I love movies. Those of you who know me well know I love movies. I love storytelling. That's what we heard Marty say this morning. Who doesn't love a good story? I love storytelling. I weep at movies. I clap at movies. I almost danced at a movie the other day. It was so invigorating. It was amazing. I love movies. There is nothing wrong. Please hear me. There is nothing wrong with loving these things. There is nothing wrong with loving. I mean, I, I used to dress up and buy the advance tickets and go as a Star Wars character to all of the Star Wars movies. I am a nerd through and through. I know it. I, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something incredibly wrong when your passion for sports and movies and entertainment surpasses your passion for the Savior. There is something terribly wrong about that. And your kids will absolutely pick up on that. Whatever you say you love the most, they're watching. Do you really love that the most? What do you spend your time on? What do you spend your energy on? What do you spend your emotions on? I know that we tell them that Jesus is the most important thing to us, and it should be to them. But is Jesus what thrills your soul above anything in this world? When you memorize a human statistic on how often they hit a ball when they're at the plate, but you aren't memorizing the incarnate Son of God's very words recorded for us in Holy Scripture, something's wrong. When you know the backstory and plot to every character in every movie, in every universe, no matter what it might be, but you don't know the backstory to why the author of Hebrews is dropping a bomb on his listeners when he says, hey, I've got a guy for you, Melchizedek. Something's wrong. Something's wrong when the things in this world excite us and we are more passionate about them and we love them more than we love the Savior, and we show it. Again, you can't save your kids, but you can demonstrate with your whole life the one who can save them. 
that he is better by far than anything this world has to offer. He is. God himself is the work. So be careful, moms, parents, be careful not to immerse your kids in the things of this world. David Platt ends this illustration by saying this, if we are dads who would rather teach our sons how to swing a club or a bat than teach them how to study the Bible, we've missed the whole point. If we are moms who would rather teach our daughters how to dress and put on makeup than have the character of Christ developed in them, we're missing the whole point. And the reality is, if we're not careful, one day our sons and daughters will stand before God and all the things that we've told them are most important will burn up in the fire and they will be left with empty hands and it will be because of us. And I pray that that won't be the case. So again, go all the way back to the beginning of the funnel. Everyone, honor your parents. Encourage them today and encourage them specifically by telling them, you told me and you backed it up with your life that Jesus is better than anything in this world. If you are a woman, you don't have kids, and you may never have kids, but if you're a woman, you are called to be motherly. You are motherly. You can nourish and nurture and encourage every single person in this room at this church to love Jesus and show him by example. You love the things of this world for sure, but they don't hold a candle to how much you love Jesus. And to moms with children specifically, go back today and examine your heart. I know that you claim that Jesus is your greatest treasure, but how might you be undoing that by the loves that you have in your life that you're more outspoken about, more passionate about? I know for our family, we try to make a point of this. We have a, a weekly routine. You should, you should see it. We look like fools we have a weekly routine on Saturday where we just start yelling at the top of our lungs tomorrow Sunday. We get to go to church, and Sunday morning starts on Saturday night. So we're going to get our, our meal ready, figure out what we're going to eat. We put our bowls out. We put our cereal out. Ethan's always the most indecisive one. I want granola. No, honey bunches of oats. No life cereal. No granola. How about oatmeal? I don't know what I want. Okay, I'll pick it for you, son. Don't worry. We, we put out all of our food, get it ready to go. we got to get our food ready. we got to get our clothes ready. We lay out all of our clothes. Today we had to do double duty of that because I'm going to change out of these clothes into other clothes so that I can enjoy uh, going to all of the in-laws and, and to my mom's house and having fun. We get our clothes ready. And we get our hearts ready. We make a game at I want. I want my kids to know I love every day of the week, but no day of the week comes close to how much I love Sunday morning. And why is that? It's because I get to meet with Jesus with his people. I want them to know that. And so I have to model that for them. I have to show them that it's a priority. It's exactly what Sergio said this morning as he was reading in 2 Timothy 3, which we'll get to in a couple weeks. Timothy learned this from his mother and his grandmother, Lois and Eunice. He learned Jesus is better through the scriptures. He was taught the scriptures. So moms, remember that God is the work it might feel like keeping your kids alive is the work. It might feel like making the next meal or uh, making sure they have clean clothes, all those things. It feels like that's the work. It definitely feels like that's the work. But all of that is designed to point them to Jesus, who's your greatest treasure. Model for your kids. They might catch what you say, but more often than not, they catch what you do more than what you say. So point 
to the fact that God's honor is paramount in your life. Point to the fact that you love the tender empathy that Christ himself displays to us. Point to the fact that scripture saturated, you have a scripture saturated concern for their heart. You love being serious and you love being silly and you know the appropriate time to do both. Be very serious about the holiness of God. But above all things, point to Jesus. Parenting goes by so fast. It's like coaching. This is probably a terrible illustration on Mother's Day. Let's talk about sports. Um, I had the privilege of coaching football here four years ago, and I know you say, how could that be? Because if a linebacker looks at you, you'll dissolve. I coached the quarterbacks. I just remember thinking, this is what parenting is. For a whole week, we would work with them, hands-on, sit this way, throw this way, hand off this way. We'd work with them. We'd get to be on the field with them. And then Saturday would show up, and it was the worst feeling in the world because you get them all pads, helmet, and then you send them out, and you can't pass that line, and you just go, how's it going to go? You don't know. Sometimes it worked out really well. Most often it was a train wreck. Moms, how are you preparing your kids for that day when you can't cross that line and you just watch them go into life and they play the game for real? Show them that Jesus is better by far than anything this world has to offer. For everyone, our Mother's Day funnel, everyone, honor your parents, honor your moms today. For women, Number two, nourish and nurture those around you. You're motherly. Be who God made you to be. And for mothers specifically with kids, don't grow weary in doing good. Show Christ to your kids as your greatest treasure. Teach them, train them, discipline them, encourage them, and then let God do what he wants to do as you do what Psalm 127 says. You place them on the bow, you pull back, and you let them fly. What I want to do is I want to close by asking children's ministry came up at the perfect time. Thank you, guys. I want to ask all the kids that are in children's ministry to come on up here and to sit with your parents. I want you to come up here and to sit with your parents. And I want you, as moms specifically, hug and hold your kids. Hug them and hold them. Kids, you can say to your moms, Happy Mother's Day. Hug and hold them. And what I want to do as we close our service this morning is I want to listen to a song. You can listen, you can read the words, but I want to listen to a song that reminds us of everything we've just said, of the joys of parenting. And again, if you don't have kids, if you're a man and you don't know how to celebrate Mother's Day right now, honor your mom today. Honor her as you hear what parenting looks like. If you're a woman, but you don't have kids, help nourish. Do exactly what these words are saying to people who aren't your physical children because they might be your spiritual children. Nourish them, nurture them. And finally, practically to mothers of kids this morning, be encouraged as you remember the aim and the target that we are aiming for. It's Christ.